This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Rotacloud, the people management platform for shift-based teams. Rotacloud lets managers create and share rotas, record annual leave, and process timesheets in minutes, all from a single web-based app. It makes communicating with your team a doddle, letting your staff check their rotas, receive updates and alerts about their shifts, and even clock in and out using the Rotacloud mobile app. Head over to rotacloud.com forward slash fill to start your 30-day free trial and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Welcome to a special episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. In our bonus episodes, we like to give some airtime to stories and individuals that are doing something just that little bit special. Today's guest is Craig Prentice, founder of the Walk for Wellbeing in support of Hospitality Action. Coming up on today's show... Craig tells us how we should all dress for the Walk for Wellbeing... In a cape. Phil gets feisty. What do you mean you're not turning up? And Craig threatens to walk out on the show. Hang on a minute. This is not good. You need to do something. All that and so much more as Craig chats us through his journey as well as telling us all about all things Walk for Wellbeing. This event really is something special and what Craig has done to get it to what it has become is truly wonderful, supporting the valuable work that Hospitality Action do for this industry. Please do get involved in any way you can. Enjoy. And a massive hospitality meets welcome to Craig Prentice. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad. Good, good, good. What's new in your world? Gosh, busy week. Glad to see Friday. And we've both got holidays to look forward to, I believe. Indeed. Yes. Very excited about that. But um, yeah, well, I mean, for the, the uninitiated out there, just tell the world who you are and what you do. Yep. So my name is Craig Prentice. I'm founder and director of Hospitality Talent Partner Mum, um, and I'm also a patron for Hospitality Action and the creator of Walk for Wellbeing. Which is exactly the reason why we're chatting today. But um, before we get into all of that, I, um, I did want to kind of delve into your background a little bit and just get an understanding of who you are really and, and how you've ended up here. So take us back. How did you get into hospitality in the first place? I guess I've always been kind of passionate about events and people. I was a really impatient college leaver um, at the age of, well, I did A-levels, I flunked them, I hated my subject, picked the wrong subjects, religious studies and English literature. Interesting. Them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bad choice. I don't know what possessed me at the time, but um, yeah, I, I guess... Um, I guess it was a combination of the wrong subjects and also a desire to get out into the working world. So I really craved being around people and and getting away from school and college. Walked into a, a role in the city of London back in the 90s in a money broker's. Interesting. Third, yeah, interesting choice. It was an administration job. Very interesting work setup and culture. Very Wolf of Wall Street, if you've seen that film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Say no more. Yeah, I was really lucky in the sense that I was shielded from that. I was back office, so I was kind of one of the support divisions, but knew I had to stay there for a year. It was my first job. Wanted to get some experience under my feet. And also, yeah, wanted to learn, I guess. So I, I supported a team of 15, 20 people. Saw a lot of interesting things going on, you know, junior team members being tied to chairs, sent up and down in the lift at home time. My life. Sent on errands at lunchtime to collect 50 lunches from 30 different establishments. God. And then being shouted at when it, you know, when it got Somebody back. Somebody got an order wrong. 
Yeah. Sent out with really like fake orders of really made up obscure things, really like head messing stuff. Particularly when you're a young person, but yeah, um, yeah that's, I, the, the, that's like that. Uh, go and see that guy and ask him for a long stand. That was the yeah. the one I, I've been put through that one myself. Yeah, bit a uh, bit testing, but yeah, and no, I, I stuck it out for a year again. Kind of thought long and hard about what I wanted to do, where I wanted to to really start my career, and had always enjoyed the arts and acting and uh, events. And I applied for a box office role in the West End um, for a theatre called the Shaftesbury Theatre. Right. Um, it sits on Shaftesbury Avenue. And they were having three major shows come up. So they were looking to create a new team, apply for a box office jo- job. But I actually got offered the PA role for the theatre manager team and worked for uh, three or four managers, theatre manager, uh, catering manager, and I guess learn everything I needed to in operations very early on. And I was their general, can I use the word, dog's body? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ran, ran around from them day in, day out, doing everything they didn't want to do. Right. But it was the best way of learning. And they're, um, they're great jobs, though, aren't they? Like yeah. when you just don't know what you're going to be dealing with day in day out and but every single thing that you're you're given is like a a great learning experience especially early on yeah so I was doing duty shifts I was getting involved with like the actual running of the shows which was amazing I was there for a couple of years and then I moved on to a trainee manager role with a company that's now known as ambassador theater group and uh, that opportunity provided me great further learning well, um, and I went on to run a West End theatre at the age of 20-something. Wow. I was super... God, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I was probably, the, I think, the youngest theatre manager in the West End at the time. Right. I had long hair. That tells you how long ago it was. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put an up-to-date photo on the... Or we, if you've got one from that, maybe we'll put that photo uh, on the cover. I think I've deleted them all, but I had <laughs> hair, not even hair feel I had curtains <laughs> does right. anyone remember curtains yes i remember curtains yeah. uh, so um but it was great so i you know i was running a west end theater very early in my 20s um great experienced you know i didn't have that much experience under my belt but again i was really learning on the job and i looked after theater tv studio and film we did some filming as well right and and that i did that for a few years um, which was fantastic in the West End, then I started working in multiple theatres, which gave me even more experience. And then I moved on to music uh, um, venues and worked in larger scale uh, venues, so two or three thousand capacity venues. Right. Um, and then moved, that was for a couple of years, then moved on to the London Eye to run hospitality and to oversee hospitality operations with the team there, which probably was by far my best experience in ops right um, working yeah in what ways i think just in terms of um, i mean at the time it was uh, the london eye come actually it was the british airways london eye do you remember that that's right i do yeah, yeah. god again so, we're aging ourselves here aren't we <laughs> i joined yeah looking i joined when it was ba london eye and then it became part of the two swords group and then merlin which it is now and yeah. um, i was there for 7 years and that role evolved massively in that time. So I looked after, again, with the team, anything that wasn't a standard ticket. So everything that was fast track, champagne flights, 
capsules, private events, the works, VIPs. And it was just amazing. They were, you asked what was great about it. They were a very true family feel business. And I know that phrase is poo-pooed sometimes these days, but it was a genuine culture of people and, you know, um, teamwork and everybody pulling together to do a great job. And, you know, at at peak, I think we used to welcome something crazy like 35 to 40,000 guests or, you know, um, ticket holders a day, um, which, you know, at the end of one of those days, you felt like you'd seen every person on shift yeah. on the site, yeah. <laughs> um, and queues going everywhere. But it was fast paced as well, which you know gave it a fun element, and um, I loved it. Used to go home absolutely shattered. But uh, you know, as you know, you know when you love something so much, you don't care. No, indeed, I think you that's the key care. thing, right? From especially yeah. from your own journey so far, it sounds like. You've also, I suppose, maybe kind of got to have these roles that you hate because they really help you hone in on the stuff that you love. Absolutely. Um, and um, I mean, it almost sounds like you ended up there a little bit by accident, as it were. Like you're just kind of opportunity has presented itself and you've gone. Yeah. That sounds quite cool. Yeah, it was just really different. Hospitality was quite new at the London Eye. So I think it had been running for maybe one or two years. They didn't start off with hospitality. So it was definitely something that evolved over time. Mm. And I say that I used to go home shattered. I also took up a second job at that time. Can you believe that? So three of those (laughs) seven years, I also worked at the Roundhouse up in Camden and used to manage shows. So I was effectively a duty or a venue manager. So I used to hot foot it on the, the Northern Line up to Chalk Farm, start my shift there brief the volunteers, run these amazing music theatre shows and then go home to bed at two o'clock in the morning. And then get up it and go and do it all again. Yeah. Well, I up. suppose that speaks directly to that that principle of, you know, find find a, something you love and you'll never Absolutely. work a day in your life. You know, if I'm guessing you wouldn't have done the roundhouse if you didn't enjoy that as well. No, not at all. And the great thing about the Roundhouse was that I could pick and choose the shows that I worked on. So it was literally seeing who I wanted to see show-wise. So BBC Electric Proms, uh, Amy Winehouse, all of those great people that used, you know, that performed there. And uh, yeah, I'd have six hours sleep if that, and then go again. But like you say, you love if you love it, you do it, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm a bit younger then as well. Well, I mean, there, yes, the, this is a lot made of uh, age in this, but uh, there's definitely a point, right, where, especially if you're running around at 100 mile an hour, where you start to question, is this is this what I should be doing now? Exactly. And I think, and we'll, I'm sure we'll go on to talk about this, but, you know, that probably, whilst I was young and I was loving it, probably wasn't looking after myself right you know probably wasn't the best thing to get you know four or six hours sleep yeah uh, and I think you're indestructible don't you at that time red bull was my best friend at the time so right yeah yeah right so yeah <laughs> what happened next so then strangely i was approached or recruitment the word recruitment was mentioned over um a lunch one day so the, comes to us all doesn't it yeah <laughs> So very unexpectedly, 
dropped into a conversation that I was having with our recruitment staffing provider for London Eye. And it was just before the London Olympics 2012. Done a hell of a lot of planning for the Olympics event wise. And then suddenly I was sat in front of this person who literally said, So what's next for you, Craig? And I was like, what Great do you question, mean? isn't it? <laughs> it's like so, a recruiter's question, that one. So um London 2012. And the reply came back, Are you sure? And I was pursued for a role in recruitment. And at first I ran a mile. Um, you know, I had I'd had some hideous recruitment experiences yeah. personally as a as a candidate. I didn't stroke don't like the word recruitment sometimes because I think it has very ne- negative connotations or can do. Yeah. And um and also it was that car salesman analogy, if that's the right word, you know, yes. association. And and like I say, personal experiences just weren't hadn't been good. But I was sold the role or a role in recruitment, looking after events staff initially, and then corporate hospitality and hotels. So I looked after staffing and temps in those three areas eventually. Right. And I sold it on the basis of relationships and service, which had always been very dear to me and close to me, particularly yeah. London Eye. And I, and I, you know, I went for it and it was a bit of a chance. I didn't like temps. I didn't like staffing. Yeah, I, was... I can relate to that. <laughs> it was very, very it's a different animal, isn't it? The, um, yeah. I, the, I remember the last job I had before I started my own company, we had a temp desk that sat right behind me where, where I was. And I've, I've always been a, a perm recruiter. And I just used to listen to the, the conversations around, what do you mean you're not turning up in yeah. two, two seconds to your shifts? And, and yeah. you know, it's just a constant firefight. Yeah. I think the realisation moment for me was midsummer. I was sat at a friend's birthday brunch I had three on-call phones in front of me because the team members were away or they were sick, or, you know, and I was covering two, two plus the one that I should have been looking after. Mm-hmm. And they were all ringing. Right. And they were all ringing. And it was a really hot day. So clients wanted extra staff, extra team members, and team members were calling in sick or texting in sick because they didn't want to go to work for X amount of pounds per hour. When and, the sun's out. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'd been out the night before. And so there was no real loyalty there. Very little appreciation for sure. And, you know, I'm sitting at a friend's birthday brunch and um, distracted. Not not present. Yeah. Yeah. For the whole thing. So I think that was the realisation moment for me. And somebody had already always told me um, that if you can do temps, you can do perm. And that's the best way to start. And recruitment, like I say, hadn't even, I hadn't contemplated ever. So I was a stranger to it, mm. but you and I know both, both know that you know experience from industry is so important, yeah, and definitely helped. So for after sure. a year, I left, and I went to work for a lot. Like to hit, hitting it now, aren't you? That's uh, <laughs> I I must admit, I I did dislike that role. <laughs> it was super stressful. It was yeah, it was it was full on, and again that kind of competitive culture wasn't wasn't fantastic to be honest it's quite interesting isn't it how you have a, a role like that and that's your first experience of recruitment and 
there must have been something within you, I guess, that said that there, there's maybe other things to explore here. Because if that's your first experience and it's full on intense and you're not really connecting with it for lots of different individual reasons, part of your brain, I would assume, goes, well, recruitment's not for me. Yeah. Uh, and yet, <laughs> uh, here we are. Still, we are. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it comes back to that love of people, right? The love yeah. of helping people and, you know, without sounding cliche. But I, yeah, I looked at my options and I thought Perm was the way forward. And I joined a uh, hospitality agency who were quite family small at the, at the time and I was with them for four or five years got very big and again I just kind of was craving a different experience was craving something a little bit fresh and exciting and also small still because I much preferred those smaller working environments where you had the time to spend with people and it, it was far more personal yeah so I went to work for a third agency <laughs> And um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but within three weeks, I knew it was the wrong role for me. Okay. No, you, <laughs> I think we've all been there. We've uh, absolutely all been there. And I say that hesitantly, but within three weeks, I knew it was wrong, but I wanted to make a go of it and I wanted to stick to my words. And the, I think things had changed within the business. The setup and the structure was different to what it had been previously when I first met them. Mm. But, and a lot can change, right, in a very small small amount of time. Yeah. And um, I stuck it out for a year, and I was really craving different. And I was really, I was there was no way I was going to go to another agency, even though you know there was potential interest. I just realised that actually it was different that I wanted, and that different was an opportunity with a company called Ennismore who at the time owned the Hoxton and um, a group of um, a small group of independent restaurants. Yeah. And Tandor Chop House and Redos Tacos. At that time, they were, I would to say fast paced probably doesn't cover it really in terms of their growth plan and, uh, and all of that. So I'd, I'd imagine that would have been a, a really intriguing role to yeah. kind of take on as, at that specific time and, uh, yeah. in your life it was amazing it was um i was bizarrely approached by three different people or introduced to um, a lady called julia who was their cpo at the time by these three different people because they were needing hospitality expertise from a talent perspective within that within their people team yeah. so ensmore had been very big on taking people from other industries um, which created you know really rich culture you know fashion retail etc but they didn't bizarrely have at the time any any real um, hospitality talent experience within the team. So they offered me a consultancy, which you know was initially six months, which I I grabbed because I, I I knew it was a great opportunity, and um, yeah, I was very much part of their people team, treated like a member of their team, and given this amazing new chapter, and that started in the December. And w was amazing. It was, you know, there was a true, people often ask me what was so magical about it, but it was a true sense of belonging, acceptance, yeah. collaboration, 
uh, all of those amazing words. Yeah, um, it's just glorious when it all comes together, isn't it? Yeah, like just, yeah, inclusivity, all of those things are just amazing. Yeah. And yeah, I had a great chapter ahead of me. Unfortunately, at the same time of me starting, I lost my nan. Right. The, the, the week I was starting, I lost my nan unexpectedly. And later that same month, uh, my mum had a, an operation that sadly went wrong. And Goodness. she passed four months later. And the reason I tell you that is because it's very much, I look back and I realise what a clash it was at the time. So professionally, amazing chapter, working with, you know, the senior leadership team on some really key appointments, working on new opening projects, but struggling. And yeah. really like, you know, clashing. And I don't think we talk about the, how interlinked they are enough, mm. you know. I mean, the, how can you possibly go in and do your best work when you have these things just operating in the back of your head uh, yeah. around you know you can't you can't focus properly you can't there's so many so many things that it, it just kind of uh, affects in, yeah. in in the moment but anyway sorry I, I'm kind of talking over you here but, oh, but I kind of yeah. I, I get that the the culmination of those two things together it's just you know, timing sounds rotten it yeah and i guess i i didn't deal with that double whammy very well at all you know the first one was bad enough mum you know then going in i think she had like 10 operations in 12 weeks Uh, you know she was overseas there was so many different factors to it um i had this new new gig that you know i was trying to focus on and you know i didn't cope very well and probably for the first time in my life you know removed myself from you know family and friends you know to a degree right yeah started spending more time on my own and not looking after myself and one thing led to another and sadly I got very ill two months after my mum had gone and that was the realization moment of hang on a minute this is not good you need to do something and it was very much a realization moment of wake up you know, this is not going to end good. Yeah. Did you get to that conclusion on your own or did you need, okay, so that was a a full self-realization. Oh, totally. You know, it was one of those moments where you were like, where I was like, okay. And and the the bizarre thing is I tried to get professional help. I tried to reach out to various bodies and, you know, doctor, et cetera. And it wasn't there. It just wasn't wasn't there for me. There were certain things that were there, you know, the doctor, you know, the doctor's answer was medication, which yeah. personally I didn't feel was an option, you know, I wanted to pursue. Yeah. I wanted to focus on naturally, you know, get to, you know, tackling it and, you know, getting better. And I, in the end, I reached out to a friend over in New Zealand, one of my best friends, a lady by the name of Michelle, who, and I just shared with her and, you know, in confidence. And um, we took it day by day. And we did it. Right, yeah. But A very quick word, if you'll permit me. Providing great customer service is all about having the right people in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly where our sponsor, Rotacloud, can help. Rotacloud makes managing your team's rotas, attendance and annual leave easy. With its simple drag-and-drop planner, you'll be creating rotas for your team in minutes. While its built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rota out. 
One Rotocloud customer actually reported that they'd gone from spending 25% on their monthly turnover on wages to spending just 19%, all thanks to Rotocloud's intuitive rotor planning software. So do your business a favour and head over to rotacloud.com forward slash fill to start your 30-day free trial and find out how much easier organising your team can be. Now let's get back to it. I think the day-by-day analogy there is that step-by-step process, right? I mean, the yeah. first of all, the realisation that you, you have. And actually, I find that really interesting that you were able to get there on your own because a lot of people can't. And I'd, I'd know that for sure because I've I've been in that situation myself whereby I had, in, uh, God, I can't even remember. I was 39 years old, whatever year that was. And I got, I had a health diagnosis, uh, which rocked me. And then my wife and I were told that we couldn't have kids. Right. All in the space of three months. And I kind of approached that stiff upper lip, crack on, but I didn't know it was eating away at me inside. And it wasn't until I sat down with my business partner for a breakfast one morning and he said to me, what's wrong? And I said, there's nothing wrong. And he went, there absolutely is. Your your performance at work was not where it used to be. And of course, I was, I suppose, this proud, I can't tell anybody that I'm struggling type person. But I was struggling, and um, it was the—it's possibly the greatest moment in my life. Yeah, the realization of that, and then Amazing. the you know what happens next, uh, yeah. as it were. So yeah, for you to get there on your own, I think is incredible uh, in self intelligence as well, because um, yeah, especially because as as we spoke about before, we've turned the microphone on. It can be uh, this just perpetual downward cycle one feeds into the other and you end up finding yourself, you know, rock bottom with nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, but to, to catch yourself before you get there, I think is, uh, is, is quite remarkable. You're right. I think, you know, I think it's important to say as well, Phil, you know, there were people around me in the workplace that definitely were trying to help me. You know, I think they noticed things get a bit like your business partner, you know, who I think really knew could see that I was struggling and, you know, certain signs. I got very ill. That was another part of the realization moment and the turnaround. Mm. I ended up in hospital. So yeah, there were people around me that who could definitely see the signs, but I just wanted to hide it at the time. And I think if you want to hide it, you do hide it. I completely agree. But I, all of this is very. This speaks to exactly why we're here today to to talk about something wonderful that came out of this. But in any case, let's let's finish your journey first and then we'll get stuck into the uh, the real reason why we're here we are here for a real reason so yeah I guess that situation in my life caused huge reflection and made me realize what was important and I guess for the first time ever I, I felt that I could channel that energy and experience into creating my own business first and foremost but also working and doing things that I loved around charity and people and the hospitality community. And I guess when I set up the business, I also had a very clear idea about being involved and invested in things that I was really passionate about. And because of my experience with mental health and grief and loss and all those things, I wanted to channel that positively into involvement with Hospitality Action uh, who I was already involved with and sat on their fundraising board, but also various other sort of projects that I started to plan. And six months later, World Events, which I'm not going to mention, started. 
and the dreaded yeah six months after creating a business i remember sitting there one day feeling really redundant um very of no use to people not wanting to contact people not wanting to be that annoying person reaching out and because people were going through their own set of scenarios and set of circumstances but i guess i wanted to do something and you know i wanted to keep busy and i wanted to do something and co-created something called now pause which was a relaxation toolkit for people to use so again we, we you know we shared that within the industry to to help create some calm i guess you know without sounding like, like you know a huge problem solver but just to add some po- a positive relaxation and element into people's lives and and that was a huge success um recognized by springboard we won an award for it which was amazing yeah. Um, and again, thanks thanks to so many people in terms of project partners. So the caterer, caterer.com, that everybody got involved and embraced it because it was a really helpful thing at the time. And it's still available, but obviously was a huge focus back then. And then coming on to what we're here to talk about, we uh, I, was, I sit on the fundraising board for Hospitality Action and rightly so, the charity's focus needed to switch to supporting and grant giving so they they wanted to focus on on that for the pandemic which was the right thing to do mm. but i remember thinking at the time there was something that we could do and was more about bringing people together so i had this idea of bearing in mind everybody was in bubbles and all sorts of things at the time yeah <laughs> it seems strange doesn't it thinking about it's it mad isn't it and, and the thing that gets me is it's three years ago yeah, seems Wait, where did that go? Yeah, so it was a real time of separation. It was definitely a time of stress, anxiety, loneliness, all of those things. Yeah, and I just remember there was thinking that there was something we could do, and that was bringing people together in the community for a walk. And I picked up the phone to one of your previous guests, Mr. Sean Wheeler. Yeah. Um, legend and, yeah absolute legend very overused word now but he is no, definitely it's absolutely known. he's right in that uh, wheelhouse for sure absolutely and um and shared this idea and he jumped at the opportunity to co-create lead the project with me and i guess the rest is history in terms of that became walk for well-being yeah well i mean i just there, there's something that just sparks a thought in my head as you were talking there around your own journey in COVID times uh, of that feeling of redundancy, that feeling of not like where, where is my place now? I don't, I don't, especially from a professional perspective, I don't have something to offer at this time, but actually, Oh God, I was going to use that word pivot. Then you, you know, (laughs) you basically pivoted your mindset into, okay, well, rather than me thinking that way, what can, what can I do to make a difference? And you know, the now pause thing was absolutely of its time for sure uh, and necessary. And then you've kind of taken that base and built this thing now, which I think the industry uh, and certainly having I, I took part in the walk last year myself for the first time in a cape. Yes, in a cape. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd love to say that was my my doing. That was the lovely Monica Orr who oh, yeah. who put together that one, and that's. That feeling of togetherness, which is something that maybe we all forgot 
before COVID came along, that actually this industry is, is I think, as united as it has ever been. We're not perfect, of course we're not, but the, yeah. um, the that feeling of togetherness that we are, another buzz phrase, we're all in this together, has never been stronger. And I think this event that you have created really, really speaks to that, as well as the wonderful charitable element of, of what it stands for. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, t- particularly last year, you know, in Hyde Park, when we were walking together, there was a real sense of spirit. Yeah, it was um, a stunner of a day as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. A, the sun came out, It that helped. But to have, I think we had 200 people walking in Hyde Park. That was amazing. Just, you know, people from across the industry. I guess, you know, our aims with the event was definitely to to, to attract people from all sectors of the industry, um, to bring people together. Yeah, it was it was really rich in that sense. And um, I was definitely buzzing that day. It was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, describe the process then of, of getting this thing off the ground, because it's one thing to obviously have the idea, but usually with, with ideas come barriers and blockades that you have to break down to to get to the other side so yeah talk us through how how that all came together well I guess it was it was a case of bringing you know people that wanted to be involved in the project you know I'm a great believer that you know you attract people that you know want to spend time with you or want to do things with you you know so Sean and I you know came up with a plan with charity and or ran, ran it past the charity got some key partners involved um, a couple of well, several supporters and just planned it how we would grow it and um, or how we would yeah launch it and it came together at a real time of fi- financial worry for people so it was far more about promoting positive or better mental health within the industry uh, well-being signposting people to the charity and the services that they provide because I think there is still a lack of understanding you know, of 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 the the huge variety of services that they provide, and um, shout about sh- shout about it, bring people together, like I say, and then finally fundraise, but in a really subtle way. We didn't want to be banging on about donations. We we got some key money through our partners and softly asked for sponsorship. I think that was really important. Yeah. First year, I think we did seventeen thousand. The second year, we did. 13 it reduced because of that financial crisis and then last year was a whopping 92 and a half thousand jeez which, which again was amazing and testimony to so many different people who not only got involved last year but got involved in the previous two years to you know to build it and yeah, yeah hugely thankful for everybody that's got involved and done what they can and I think my mindset with the event is we're all capable, Phil, of doing something. We all have it in us to do something, whether it's a social share or a, a participation, you know, signing up or a donation. We all know what we, we're capable of. You know, life can take over sometimes, can't it? And, yeah. you know, we can get distracted. Um, but I, I believe it's, a very, it's a key point because you've nailed it, to be honest, is that life gets in the way sometimes, just your hamster wheel day to day. And I think that kind of makes us all forget what what we are capable of and whether that is something truly spectacular like you've put together with with the Walk for Wellbeing or whether it is 
just you know going out into a community and having a coffee with somebody who just needs your company you know yeah. all of these things are are spectacular achievements but we never give any credit to that stuff uh it's always just about how successful you can make yourself in your career but as yeah. you get older or as i get older the uh, the the greatest metric for for success is happiness for me and we're all getting older <laughs> indeed yeah well that's one uh, constant of life isn't it really is that we all yeah well if you're lucky enough to get to anyway we're getting far too philosophical now but um so i i've third year to ninety two thousand pounds is amazing and i think especially because i've run a couple of local charity events for my local roundtable and we when we were doing research into stuff it it, it generally takes five years for something to get traction is yeah. what what we found. I don't know what, how true that is of everything, but nevertheless, it sounds like to have that that kind of buy-in kind of fairly early in its and uh, mm. it, its lifespan is is wonderful. Yeah, it's definitely building. You know, de- people are definitely engaged with it, which is great. And like I say, it's much more than a walk. It always has been. Yeah. You know, sponsored walks and events are 10 a penny but this is very much you know a community event and and thankfully feels like one yeah it totally is yeah and and 20 kilometers is not insignificant as well it's not no we did deliberate with the distance and i mean the great thing about the walk is that it's it's very flexible so it's two and a half weeks people can take part wherever they are located for and challenge themselves with their chosen distance but with the hosted walks in particular, um, which are taking place in five cities this year, we, a lot of the feedback was that ten perhaps is a little bit too too little for for sponsorship. Yeah. So yeah, twenty k. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I um I thoroughly enjoyed it last year. And I think the great thing is is that because even I mean that speaks to what you stand for as well is that it's not a race. You know, you just right. come and enjoy the community spirit of the day. And uh, and take as long as you need to take. Yeah, you know, I, I think we we did the London one, and you end up in the uh, the Royal Lancaster for a bit of grub afterwards. Yeah, we did last year. Yeah, there's plenty great. of grub, so it doesn't matter what time you get there. <laughs> yeah, it was great. They were great after after walk hosts, and um, yeah, it it feels good, and and I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and notwithstanding, you know, the the raising of money for a massively important charity that is you know effectively the the backbone of this industry really in in yeah. this country uh, and the work that they do on so many different things yeah i think their relevance is is more than ever mm. uh, you know given the times that you know we're going through as an industry and the number of people who the increasing number of people who are finding themselves challenged in various different ways there's no decline on that sadly but their yeah their need and their, their support and their services is is needed more or are needed more than ever yeah absolutely um you you obviously haven't gotten to this point alone uh, we've obviously mentioned Sean already but are there other people that um that deserve a, a big shout out and a thank you from all of us yeah absolutely so i think like i said earlier i think the first thank you is to everybody that's got involved at all over the last three or four years in whatever shape or form that's been to make it what it is today. Sean is an amazing co-pilot on the project. You know, he's uh, 
we're definitely yin and yang in terms of what areas we look after. So, right. uh, which really works well. So um, great great and, partnerships. Yeah, great partnerships. And, and the charity themselves, you know, have embraced the event as one of their own as of this year, which um, is fantastic. So I've never worked, and I've worked with numerous charities over the years, I've never worked with such an inspiring team of people um, who are relatively small, close-knit, and just, you know, so involved with and supportive with the event. So Mark Lewis, Juliana, and Astrid particularly have been amazing. Of course, our partners this year, we've got caterer.com back for a fourth year. They've been with us since the very beginning, and I truly appreciate that support. Uh, People Banker uh, have joined us this year as a partner to help us reach far and wide. This year, we've also got Custard joining us as their CSR project for the year, and they've been amazing. Petra, uh, Simone, and Katie have been incredible, uh, and the team have been amazing at supporting us, get get the message far and wide to make it an, an even bigger event. And then we've obviously got our organizing team who definitely know who they are. They've been amazing. And then I guess finally... Probably far too many to mention, right? Because otherwise we'd be here for four hours. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave them. They know who they are. And of course, our city hosts, who I should mention the cities where the walk is taking place, uh, the 20 kilometer challenge is taking place. But that's Bath and Bristol, London, obviously, Birmingham, and then Manchester and Glasgow. And our city hosts are Bath Hoteliers Association, Bristol Hoteliers Association, Tonic Talent up in Birmingham, Manchester Hoteliers Association, and Dam in Glasgow. Fantastic. Great stuff. Well, I mean, what date is it this year? So the dates are Saturday the 30th of September to Sunday the 15th of October. That's the, the, the complete window where people are encouraged to walk wherever they are however far they want to during that time. Uh, We've also got World Mental Health Day on the 10th of October, which is a Tuesday, meaning our hosted walks take place a few days before on the Sunday. So Sunday, the 8th of October, is the key hosted walk challenge day where 20-kilometre walks will take part in Bath, Bristol, London, Birmingham, Manchester, Glasgow. Excellent. And how can people get involved walkforwellbeing.org is the website and we're on hospitality action social channels great stuff um wow but i mean that you know first of all your own journey is really really interesting in terms of how you got in here and i think what your journey for me highlights is that and this is something that i've said before on this podcast but you know ultimately adversity comes for us all that's the uh, I think that's the actual cliche that does exist but you kind of don't have to tackle it alone ever you know but you've just got to be strong enough to ask for help to just speak to somebody who can help you get through it and that can be just a friend it can be professional help it can be whatever but don't suffer in silence and don't take the battle on on your own and yeah your journey speaks to that directly but I think more than that to then produce something that now has such a, a wonderful, a, it's just a wonderful thing for the industry, you know, and the people who take part in it. I think I, I, if I was wearing a hat, I'd be taking it off to you right now because I think what you've achieved is, has been fantastic. Thank you. No worries. 
thank you so much for your time. It's been great to to finally do this, and um, wish you all the very best with the event and beyond. Um, we'll see you, uh, right? We'll see you on the eighth. Well, I was fifty fifty, but I think I'm now seventy five twenty five <laughs> in favour. Um, because I, I I may have had something uh, that took me away from the area uh, on okay. that day, but it doesn't look like that's now going to happen. So, uh, if I if I am available, I'll be there with bells on for sure, with and or without a cape. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Hello. Thanks so much, Greg. Thank you, Phil. Take care. Pleasure. Thank you. And there we have it. What a fabulous enterprise Craig has created, doing a monumental service to the industry. Don't forget to head over to the Hospitality Action website to learn more and get involved. The links will be in the show notes. We will, of course, be back next Wednesday at 8pm with another wonderful story from hospitality. But until then, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.